When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I went into that first league meeting and I was the only woman there. And I really didn't care. I didn't spend a moment concerning myself with what other people thought about my gender. It never made sense to me during my years in the league. It still doesn't make sense to me that I should walk into any situation, any meeting, any anything, expecting and hoping that others won't focus on my gender if I'm focused on my gender. If I don't want you thinking about my gender, why am I thinking about my gender? And by the way, if you want to be thinking about my gender, go ahead and waste your time because I'm not going to be wasting my time thinking about it. Time for another episode of Just Getting Started. This is episode eight in our Voices of the NFL series on this Origin podcast, and I am thrilled to be joined by someone who I'm also thrilled to be able to call a good friend, a frequent guest on my daily Rich Eisen show, and I have known her for every single year that I've been with the NFL. That means 18 and counting, longtime front office executive, CEO, and president of the Oakland Raiders back in the day, now of CBS Sports, Amy Trask. How are you, Amy? I am well, and I am absolutely thrilled to join you today. You've referenced the number of years we've known one another, and notwithstanding that there were often issues that flared up between and among those with whom we interacted, you and I have engaged in the sort of civil discourse and relationship everyone should engage in. And we have, when we have disagreed, we have done so agreeably. And I have been a fan of yours since I met you. Likewise, Amy Trask, although I will share with the audience out of everybody who has been on this podcast, uh, you are the one who, when I first met, scared the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like that. Absolutely scared the shit out of me. I remember it was, again, it was our first owner's meeting for the NFL Network back at the Breakers Hotel, if you recall this one back in 2004 calendar year. And I just remember you walking into the room with Al Davis in the old, what was it, is referred to as the one plus one, right? Owner plus team executive, was A two per club meeting. Yeah. They had the one per clubs, which could either be an owner or his designee, right. or the two per club, which was an owner yeah. and one other person from the club. Right. And you were frequently the one other person from the club. And I just remember, and I just want to start with this before we get into how you got started. I, I, this is interesting, like the, the, the concept of how we got started to start this whole thing off. I will never forget, I want to describe this to people, an owner's meeting or membership meeting as it's known in the National Football League, there's like this, there's this um, construct, and I don't know if it's that way anymore, of the way that the tables were set up. It was kind of like the letter E, where there were the, 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 the top and the bottom of the letter E and then the middle part that makes the letter E, which is where all of the members would sit, and then the long part of the E that connects all the arms is where the league executives would sit. And if I'm not mistaken, 
Al Davis and the Raiders and you would always sit on the if it, if this is the letter E right here, you would always sit on the end of the letter E and Al that was Al's seat. And that was it. And I was just like, whoa, okay. This is I don't know why that blew me away. It just got me it was wild that it was your seat, period. End of story. You know? Well, Rich, number one. Yes. I'm kind of delighted I, I terrified you, and I'm going to own that, and, and people are going to hear about that. It's true. I was not known as the princess of darkness for nothing. And by the way, <laughs> when people within the league ascribed to me that nickname and shared it with Mike Silver, who included it in our article, yes. it was not intended as a compliment at all. <laughs> to the contrary. Well, I embraced it. Raider fans embraced it, and I shall forever cherish it. But about that letter E in the seating. Yes. Something that stumped me throughout my career, every single meeting over my almost 30-year career, from the time I started attending those meetings with Al, my first year with the team until the time I left, every team sits in the same place. So I constantly said to league officers, league officials, why can't we just assign them so we don't have to get there at five in the morning to put our names on the seat on a little pad? But it just never happened. And so, you know, you had to get there really early to save your seat. But everybody sat in the same seats anyway. So I never understood that. And I I was just fascinated by the same seats policy in that regard, where um, the Giants and the Steelers would always sit next to each other because the Roonies and the Mara family, and thus the name of the famous actress, Rooney Mara, uh, would sit next to one another all the time but al always had he sat. you just sat right at the end there and if i'm not mistaken most of the time abstained right always it was was well, a lot I, of abstentions amy back in the day i'm kind of proud that i'm the one who got him to stop abstaining and there's a funny story associated <laughs> yes. with that when i joined the league every vote was abstain abstain <laughs> abstain abstain because of course the league had sued the raiders and there was litigation involved and al didn't want to be on the record as a yes or no and then even after that he continued the practice of abstaining and i finally finally after years of prevailing on him convinced him we were going to vote yes or no. And so the first time after we stopped abstaining, a vote came up and I voted no. And one of the representatives of another team looked at me and I said, bet you wish we were abstaining now. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Because I did ask that of, of, I forget who, because we were, when NFL Network first started, they allowed the cameras in there and we would just run on NFL total access at night from an owner's meeting, sort of unvarnished, you know, obviously it did, it did go through some vetting, but sort of like we would call it NFL C-SPAN. It was kind of like showing the machinations and how the sausage kind of gets made. And I would sit in the back of the room and I did, I forgot who I asked. I'm like, why do the Raiders always abstain? And I can't believe I'm finally getting an answer now, 18 years later. This is awesome. And the executive who got so annoyed at me or made the face, I shouldn't say so annoyed, but made the face when we voted no, was one of the executives of another team who was constantly chiding me. And I mean that in a good natured way, a fun way of why do you always abstain? Vote yes or no. Vote yes or no. Stop abstaining. So when I finally convinced Al that we shouldn't abstain and voted no, I looked at him. And as I said, I said, bet you wish we were abstaining now. But Rich, 
I remember you in the back of the rooms and I remember those cameras and I don't know if mm. you remember, but when I saw those cameras rolling, I would run so fast in the other direction mm. that people would tease that Al was going to sign me to play corner. <laughs> oh, I just remember those days. That was amazing. Those were way back in those days. So let's, let's jump right into this part of it. Amy Trask, how did you, how did you get started? Did you always want to be in sports management? Was that a, a goal of yours, Amy? No. Um, I grew up, and then even after I had arguably grown up, but maybe wasn't fully grown up, wanting to be any number of different things. I really didn't have a plan, and, and I'll mention something about that in a moment. Mm -hmm. But I was a stu I've loved football since junior high. When I was at Berkeley, the Raiders were still in Oakland, which mm -hmm. put them just down the, the road or just down the freeway from me. And I had the opportunity to enjoy some games in person. Uh, and I just I fell in love with everything about the team. This was a team owned by a gentleman who would give people second chances and third chances. And some people said far too many chances. He would embrace people that others had labeled behavior problems. And having been labeled a behavior problem in kindergarten, and that label stuck with me through high school, many might argue it still is appropriate. But I love the fact that he didn't care if you were labeled a behavior problem, if he would, you know, come on in and contribute. And if someone labeled you a behavior problem, that wasn't his concern. So I fell in love with that. I would watch games of the Raiders playing on the road and you'd see other teams on road games and the players would get out of the, the team buses and they'd be wearing sport coats or suits and carrying briefcases. And then you'd see the Raiders get out of the bus and they just rolled out like God knows where they had been the night before uh, and wearing hoodies and sweats and whatever. And they just rolled in and won. So I fell in love with the team when I was in Berkeley and happenstance or fate. The year I came back down to Los Angeles, which is where I'm from, was the year the team ultimately uh, permanently at that time relocated down here. The team had tried before, but been ordered back by the court mm -hmm. and then came down the same year I came for grad school. So while I was in grad school, I heard all these other people, students talking about internships and externships. And I thought, well, that sounds kind of fun. And I called the team and said, I would like to be an intern. And that's how it started. You called the Raiders. I called. Who did you call? I called the switchboard and I said, I'd like to do an internship for the team. And the person who answered the phone connected me to someone. And if we had time, I would make you play 20 questions as to the person with whom they connected me. But because we don't necessarily have that time or that might not be how you choose to use the time, I will tell you it was Al Locasal. And Get I talked to him here. and he said, the no, it was, really? it was. One of the most famous. And I said you know, to I, him, I, "What would you say? It's like it, it, like Al Davis's most famous right hand, I guess, fixer, friend, you know, executive." I don't some know might would... call him a henchman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, the the uh, switchboard, and by the way, it was my pleasure to work with him. Sure. The switchboard operator connected me through to Al Locus Al, and I said, "I'd like to do an internship," and he said, "Well, what's that?" <laughs> and I said, well, I'll work for you and you won't have to pay me. And he said, okay, come down. And I do want to note really quickly, Rich, because this is important. It's important to me. Um, I recognize that not everyone 
has the luxury, the fortune, the opportunity, uh, is able to do an internship for no pay. So I understand that it was my tremendous fortune that I Mm. was able to say to the Raiders, I'll work for you and you don't have to pay me. And I get it. Not everyone could do that. The good news is today, NFL teams do pay their interns. Not so much back in the day. But I drove down and I met everybody and I was in law school at the time. So I started interning in the legal department. This is amazing. Did you know you never thought like what a waste of time just to call the switchboard of the Los Angeles Raiders and offer my services to join in whatever capacity they saw fit, right? I mean, like there you never thought what a crazy idea. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want to be told no. I'm just going to say forget it. That never crossed your mind. Well, first of all, what's the worst that could have happened? The worst thing would have been they would say no. And then I would have been in no worse a position than I was at the time. Meaning if they said no, I wouldn't have an internship, but I didn't have an internship when they called them. So why not give it a try? And I didn't care in what department I would intern. I would do anything and everything. And I did do everything and anything. I was interning in the legal department, but I walked all around the organization and I went into other departments and I helped alphabetize the will call tickets in the ticket department, and I helped file things in the scouting department. Anything I could do, I was thrilled to do. So when's the first time you met Al Davis? When did that happen? Uh, It was during my internship. As I mentioned, the league had sued the Raiders Mm -hmm. uh, relating to uh, franchise relocations, and that, that lawsuit was still pending. And I was dispatched someplace to go look through some records. And, and when I say dispatched, I'm using yes. that in sort of a intended to be silly yes. way. But I went to do some legal research. And when I concluded the research and came back and, you know, Al was aware I had gone, he was on board with sending me to do it. And I did it. And that's how I first interacted with him, I think. So where, okay, then did you meet with him and tell him you were like, when, when's the first time where you really just truly sat down and he got to know you, Amy Trask, and potentially started thinking about something other than an internship for you? Okay. I do, it wasn't a sit down. Okay. It was a different encounter. Okay. As I said, uh, both as an intern and then when I joined the, well, I'll come to that in a minute, but as an intern and even when I joined the organization on full time, I wanted to learn everything I could and I wanted to contribute in every way I could, in any way I could. So I would go from department to department. How can I help? Is there anything I can do? And at one point, someone on staff took me aside and said, you know, Al is not going to like this. Al is not going to like that you're walking around the organization and going into other departments and involving yourself in things. He's just not going to like it. And I think maybe more than one person told me that. But I said, okay, thanks. And I kept doing it. And uh, the way the offices were set up, I was in an office on the second floor just across from Al's office. We all shared offices. So the legal offices were up on the second floor, as were the finance offices and the player personnel offices. And I was walking up the staircase at the precise moment he was walking down. And we stopped right next to one another on the same stair. And he looked at me and said, where are we on ticket sales? And that told me, one, he was well aware I was walking through the building, learning everything I could, going to every department I could. And two, that was his way of letting me know that was okay. Because if it wasn't okay, why would he say to me, where are we on ticket sales? I found that to be very encouraging. And 
I realized two things at the moment. Number one, he is not put off by me doing this as I had been led to believe. And two, I better have the answers. Yes, exactly. So when I ran into him, I better know the answers to his questions. And that was a very significant moment because it was a suggestion to me that he was encouraging me to continue to grow and to learn. Because he, he, had you not known the answer, then maybe he would have come down on you for poking your nose as your colleagues were concerned he might view it as such in places not in your lane to use the 21st century phrase right like that <laughs> that it that might have been a test that you passed uh, in the stairwell of the raiders organization there uh, that's a great point rich and even if he didn't come down on right. me for that he might have simply sort of scrubbed his hands of it and said well you know she didn't prove herself she had a chance to let me know the answer. She didn't have the answer. And even if he didn't, as you say, come down on me, I think it would have been a very different moment in time and moment in my career, if you will. All right. So then when did you go from being a clear Raider material in his mind to Raider executive material? When did that happen, Amy? How did that happen? When? I don't know that I can point to a particular minute. Look, I was there almost 30 years. Right. And I grew within the job. I grew up on the job. And Rich, I use that in two senses. You know, I, I joined in my early 20s when I was first an intern, and then mid-20s when I joined full-time. So not only did I grow up on the job in terms of learning the job, I grew up on the job. So, you know, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. By the way, and there, there's a, a segue here to what I'm about to mm-hmm. say, one of the biggest misconceptions about Al is that you couldn't disagree with him. Because if that were the case, I would have been fired roughly two weeks into my job. I was sitting in my office, the one I described across the hall from his with a colleague, and Al came in and ripped into that person like I can only envision a velociraptor (laughs) would have ripped into flesh. And he was really having at it. And after I listened for a bit of time, I said, excuse me, you're wrong. And Rich, you know I don't have a dainty voice under any circumstances, but I was also working to be heard over him, and he was pretty loud at the time. So I said, excuse me, you're wrong, and I will never forget the look on his face when his face turned to me. I mean, it was just, I'm I'm like thinking of his face and the expression right Mm -hmm. now. Uh, And I said, he looked at me like, what? And I went on to say, look, if the data on which you were basing your conclusion was accurate, well, then that's a fair conclusion. But you are basing your analysis and you are basing your conclusion on inaccurate information and you're wrong. And he screamed, and or let's say yelled, not screamed. He yelled and I yelled and he yelled and I yelled. And I didn't know it till much later, but apparently everyone had gathered outside the office because oh they couldn't believe this person that had been there two weeks or so was having this argument with Al, and one woman actually bought brought boxes over because she figured out, you know, Amy's going to have get to get out of back. here. Come on, no well, way. No, oh no, no, dead serious. And then towards the end of the argument, you know, as the arguments, you know, going on and on and winding, he looked at me and he said, "Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha, okay." And we moved on. And over the course of almost thirty years, I disagreed with him more than I agreed with him. So that is the biggest misconception about Al, that he wouldn't tolerate those who disagreed with him, that he wouldn't tolerate disagreement. But what I learned, you don't just disagree to be disagreeable. 
you come armed with information and you make your best argument. And then at the end of the day, I realized he was the owner of the business. I was not. So I could do all I could to change his mind. And if I didn't change his mind, it was my job to do the best I could with the decisions he made. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When was the first time uh, you encountered some sort of miscalculation on other people's parts in the league about your tenure or abilities because of your gender when was the first time that happened with you amy trask no one has ever phrased the question to me in that manner proving again how good you are at this no one's (laughs) ever asked me about a miscalculation or a a misconception Uh, look rick i joined the league in the mid 80s early 80s for my internship mid 80s full-time That was a long time ago. And a lot of your fans, a lot of people watching this weren't even born then. And I say that, you know, I kind of want to cry when I say it. It's to (laughs) put it into context. (laughs) Right? So I went into that first league meeting and I was the only woman there. And I really didn't care. I didn't spend a moment concerning myself with what other people thought about my gender. It never made sense to me during my years in the league. It still doesn't make sense to me that I should walk into any situation, any meeting, any anything, expecting and hoping that others won't focus on my gender if I'm focused on my gender. If I don't want you thinking about my gender, why am I thinking about my gender? And by the way, if you want to be thinking about my gender, go ahead and waste your time because I'm not going to be wasting my time thinking about it. And people ask me all the time, well, were you tested because of your gender? And I don't know the answer to that. People are tested all the time, tested because of race, gender, age, educational background, ethnicity, seniority. But let's assume I was tested because of my gender, because that's a very fair and safe assumption. Well, what's the best thing to do when we're tested? Pass the damn test. So that's where I put my energy. Did Al ever refer to your gender in terms of you're tough for a woman or anything like that? Or did he, he, was he just completely oblivious? And I say that in only the best possible term 
to it. Just didn't never entered his mind. You were just who you were. You were Amy Trask. You're the person who called a switchboard, got to Al Locasal, made the most of your opportunity, knew all the questions, passed the tests, argued with him successfully. You know, did he ever bring it up to you? At all? Once at the very, very outset of my career in a manner that made me look like Mona Lisa Vito. I did my Mona Lisa Vito in my cousin Vinny imitation where you kind of go like that. And then once in a way that was one of the most touching moments of my career. Very, very early in my career, uh, Al was going to be deposed by lawyers for someone who had sued the Raider organization. And I knew about this because our general counsel, Jeff Beeren, was going to be going without the deposition. Well, they were walking on their way out of the building, and Al looked at me and said, come on, let's go. Well, I had no idea I'd be going to this deposition or that anybody would want me to go to this deposition, but Al said, come on, let's go. So I jumped in the car with them, and we went to this deposition. Um, this is a fun memory. I haven't shared this with right. anyone. This, uh, we go to the deposition, and we're sitting there, and Al's being deposed, and we're going a couple hours, three hours, and it's roughly lunchtime. So the lawyer deposing him for the plaintiff said, you know, it's almost lunchtime. Would you like to take a break? And Al said, no, I don't want to take a break. Keep going. I just want to keep going and get this done. If you want to bring something in to eat, go ahead and bring something in to eat. I don't want to stop. So the lawyer representing the other side says, oh, okay, we can bring food in. Amy can get us some sandwiches. And Al takes his hand and slams the table. And Rich, you knew he had that giant ring on. So when he slammed the table, that ring just made a noise. And Al looked around at everyone around the table, all the lawyers for all the different parties and said, and pointed at the guy who said that and said, did you hear that? Did you hear that? There is one woman in this room. And he just told her to get lunch. And Al went on and on about that. And then he looked at our general counsel and said, Jeff, get the sandwiches. And I sat there like Mona Lisa Vito in My Cousin Vinny. It was a very special moment. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, wow. the, the no other kidding. moment, if I may take a moment to share Please. this no, with go, you. Go, go, go. Keep going. I'll shut up. One of the most special, special moments in my career, and this goes to the heart of your question. We were in a meeting in the Raider offices in our large conference room. I had invited in a business that we wanted to work with. I wanted to get a deal done with this business. And I asked Al to join us at the meeting because I thought that would impress them or excite them. So I'm in the meeting room with some colleagues, some coworkers, the other business is there, and Al comes in. And one of the representatives of the other business was a woman. So Al walks up to her and very graciously shakes her hand and says hello and says, you know, I try very hard not to swear in front of women. Well, I start looking at my colleagues like, what did he just say? What did he just say? And then Al goes on and says, and if I do swear in front of you, I apologize. But I want you to know I never swear at women. Well, with this, the pen in my hand flips out of my hand, flies down, lands on the conference room table with a thud. And Al looks over me and sees the look on my face. I am utterly incredulous. And he says, and this is a quote, I shall forever remember and forever cherish. Oh, Amy, I swear at Amy, but I don't consider her a woman. And there is nothing he could have said that could have popped my heart anymore. He considered me Raider staff without regard to gender. That's amazing. Huh. And he did swear at me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is amazing. 
Amy, those are incredible stories. And it just goes right to the heart of the matter. And before we move to your, your television career now, what, what do you think of the status of females in the executive wings in the NFL right now? You know, the, the, the trail that you blazed, how, how do you think it's being followed up on right now? Well, that's very generous of you. And, and thank you. I have two thoughts mm-hmm. and they're not mutually inconsistent. Number one, there has been tremendous progress since I joined the league. As I said, when I joined the league, I was the only woman in the room. And now there are a lot of terrific women in that room. Jeannie Bonk of the Chargers, Hannah Gordon of the 49ers, to name just a couple. And there are women on the sideline, uh, Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers had women coaching, and Sarah Thomas was an official. So yes, tremendous, tremendous growth. And what will really excite me? is when these things are no longer newsworthy. I'm asked all the time when something happens, are you excited? And the answer is sure. But what's going to be exciting is when hiring people without regard to race, gender, or any other individuality, which has no bearing on whether one can do a job, is no longer a newsworthy moment. So then let's get into, that's, by the way, remarkably well said, as always. Um, how, who called you to say, would you want to get into TV? NFL TV. How'd you get that call? Well, I'm going to um, answer that and mention why I'm wearing a cap at the same time, because maybe someone can take something from this to help them. Uh, After I made, I told my husband as I was doing the to be or not to be, to be or not to be, that until I made the decision as to whether I wanted to stay with the organization or leave, I wasn't going to be able to decide what I wanted to do next. So I gave my notice. I told Mark Davis said I was leaving the organization. And the next morning I woke up and I looked at my husband and said, I'm a blight on humanity. I have nothing to do. And we laughed and he said, good, do nothing for a while if you would like. And I was contacted about joining CBS Sports and I said no. And it was a hard no. And the reason I said no is nothing has ever terrified me in life as much as being in front of on a camera. If you go back and look at the home movies for my family, And yes, kids, we had movies, okay? They were like filmed on a little camera. I'm not in them. I have run from cameras since I was a child. And I said no to CBS, and I was sitting and talking to a group of people in my neighborhood. And this is where it takes a village is so important. And as I was sharing that I wasn't going to do it because no way, no way, no way would I ever go on camera, a woman that I know looked at me and said, let it go. And I thought about that. And I thought, just because I have always been terrified of my of cameras my whole life, maybe I should give this a try. And Rich, the reason I have always been terrified of cameras is I grew up with, and to this day still have, some tremendous insecurity about my physical appearance. Baseball caps have set me free. The reason I am now able to do this with you is because I'm sitting here in a baseball cap. I did get dressed up for you, though. I, I do appreciate earrings, that. So. Yes, that the, for the visual the baseball cap podcast listeners. The, yes, right. Exactly. The baseball cap is not a sign of disrespect. It's not because no. I'm not thrilled to be talking to you. I am. But it gives me courage. And so the reason I raise all this is not so much about me and the insecurities with which I grew up. But if there's kids listening to this, or maybe even not kids, and whether they're boys or girls, men or women, sometimes doing the thing that scares you more than anything in the world can be a lot of fun. So after that friend said, Amy, 
let it go. I called back and said, okay, I'm going to do this. My first show at CBS Sports Network, I said to the producer right before we went live, I think I'm going to throw up all over myself. And he said to me, quote, we would get so many YouTube views <laughs> for that. <laughs> and Bart Scott, the former linebacker who was on the show with yeah. me, held my hand under the table every single minute that no we weren't kidding. on camera. He was a teammate. I, I can't even, I, I will never be able to thank him enough. We were on that whole season together and he held my hand literally, not just figuratively. Wow. Good for Bart. Um, you know, your producer, by the way, great joke. Every joke, as you know, has a germ of truth in it. Um, so <laughs> that he's, the, the producer, he or she, uh, not wrong. Uh, that would have definitely gotten a lot of YouTube hits. But I can't, honestly, Amy, look, I, I've known you for a while. Um, I, I can't tell on TV that you would ever feel that way. You're so confident and you're so resolute and you're so succinct as well. I mean, you're, you're excellent at it. Like you were built for it how you are doing your job and what CBS wants is your, your opinions and also your gravitas that you bring to the table and the way in which you um, communicate it. You can't tell. Well, you are very gracious and very kind. And I will say this, um, the CBS sports team has been tremendous. I've been very honest with them about my insecurities and they have done absolutely everything they can to help me in every way they can. And the confidence those producers will give me in my ear, letting me know you can do this. Uh, they really are teammates in the very best sense of the word. And, you know, look, we're all scared of something, right? I mean, you could put me in front of a group of 14 bankers and ask me to get up and convince them to give me a half billion dollar line of credit. And I'm like, I got this. But being on camera, uh-uh. So look, we all have things that scare us, and this scares us, and I love baseball caps, yeah. and I did put earrings on for you to get Thank you. One. I appreciate it. And plus, if, if I'm not mistaken, you are rocking the logo of your television network as well, right? I am. The Tiffany Network. See, they're great teammates. Yes. They sent me baseball caps. When the pandemic struck, and they asked me, would you do um, some TV segments from your home via Zoom? Um, and I knew, ooh, that means they're not going to be sending those ma the magicians that they normally bring in from Hogwarts Come to do on. my hair and makeup. So I said, sure, I'll do it if you send me some baseball caps. And they said, oh, I said, I think I'll do it if you let me do it in a baseball cap. And they said, yes. And then I said, and I'll do it in one of your baseball caps you if you go. want. So there you go. So are you still enjoying it? Do you like it? Doing TV? I I am. As I said, doing that which scares you can often work out extraordinarily well, and I love it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So I will, I will ask you this, Amy, uh, to you know bring us full circle here. Your Twitter handle is delightful. People love conversing with you. You love conversing with them and the and high and all of that. Um, did you think that you'd be uh, a social media butterfly in any way, shape, or form ever at Amy Trask? <laughs> no. No. You know, no. Uh, when I joined CBS Sports, one of the individuals in the, I don't know if it was the PR department or, or I think so, said, how about going on Twitter? No, no, no. And I said, uh-uh. Never happening. Not going to happen. No, no, no. I was like Khrushchev uh, when he took his hand and slammed it on the table and said, "Niet, niet, niet." Of course, he did turn the boats around. And like Khrushchev having said, "Niet," and turning the boats around, I said, no, 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 no. And then I eventually did it. And now I'm fairly convinced. They did. They I mean, you're great me. with the GIFs, you know, where you're using, you know, your uh, – your Looney Tunes and your I Love Lucy ones, and you're very, you're very good at it. And people love conversing with you; they love it. You can see. And and in a very in a in a very serious note, Twitter. And I know that's not the only social media platform that allows us, but it's the only one I'm on. So I'm speaking to Twitter. Twitter allows us to communicate with people around the world, and I think that gives us an opportunity to connect with others throughout the world. And, you know, my rule for my Twitter village, we exchange thoughts in a reasoned and reasonable manner. And when we disagree with one another, we mm. disagree agreeably. And Rich, I will tell you in the time I've been on, there have been about 10 instances in which someone has disagreed with me in a really nasty manner. And I've written back and said, you know what, fair enough, you don't agree with me. But you don't need to be mean about yeah. it, of course, sounding like an eight-year-old saying, you know, you don't have to be a meanie. Um, and in each but two of those instances, I think, roughly two, the person has written back and said, you know what, you're right. I do disagree with you, but I didn't have to be nasty or mean. Think what we can do right. collectively if we reach out to other people around the world and communicate with civil discourse. I agree. There's no question about that. Um, this, I, know, I know. I mean, you do the I same. I know best. you agree. Well, how do you think the Twitter account at Real Al Davis would be doing? Do you think would he would Al would Al have ever done at Real Al Davis? What do you think? What about that? There was a moment we had where he was very very annoyed at me about something. Um, we were having an argument. We were disagreeing in our way where we would disagree. As I said, we disagreed more than we agreed over those almost thirty years. And he made some sort of quick comment to me about. Um, well, you can tell our people to go twit this because that's what he thought Twitter was. You didn't say tweet. He said he knew of Twitter. So he said, they can just twit this. And I made a comment to him about, well, we'll get you your own Twitter account and you can tweet anything you want. And someone else who was in the room with me took his device, which I think we all had Blackberries at the time. And under the, under the table, this was one of our team lawyers he, uh, and I don't want to say the word he used on your podcast, but you know exactly what it was. He said, I'm going to register it right now. At all 
You know what Al always used to say, rhymed with truck, ah, truck, only it wasn't truck. So here I am angry at Al and saying, we'll get you your own Twitter account. You can tweet it. And I get this email under the table that says, I'm registering it right now. At <laughs> ah, hmm. Oh, gosh. All right. There's one last. I've got one last request for your story and then two final questions for you. I need the story about uh, Darth Vader coming to the field at the black hole as part of, I guess, some sort of what? Um, some sort of marketing campaign, promotion or whatever? A promotion. Can you please tell the story about Al Davis meeting Darth Vader? Please, yeah, we... Um, for my I, And, and I, I want to quote him. So can I swear on this podcast? Please, please. Okay. Yes, absolutely. So we Go did a promotional, you know, an in-game sponsorship with... Um, the production company for the movie and they were advancing the movie. And look, there was obviously a great synergy there between Darth Vader and, and Star Wars and the Raiders. So here we were, it's pregame. We're all running around. We're doing our thing. And Darth Vader's on the sideline. Al's watching the team warm up. And I walk up to him and I said, I need you to say hello to Darth Vader. He's here with part of our sponsorship. I need you to greet Darth Vader. And Al says to me, quote, who the fuck is Darth Vader? Close quote. <laughs> but that wasn't even his tone. I'm not doing it. It was like, who the fuck is Darth Vader? But he knew I wouldn't have asked if it wasn't important to me, to the team, to the sponsorship, to the relationship. Right. So he went over and he shook Darth Vader's hands. And that picture is a classic. It is. It's to this day. It's just amazing. Oh, my God. So he truly had no, had he never seen Star Wars? Al Davis never saw Star Wars. Look, all I, I, it was honest. It was sincere. He wasn't messing around. Just he uh, look. I'm bugging him during pre-game warmups yeah. to leave the sideline and to introduce, you know, to say hello and greet Darth Vader. Well, I, I guess so, if Darth yeah, Va if Darth sincere. Vader ran a four three forty and could take the top off a of defense, he didn't know exactly <laughs> who Darth Vader was. <laughs> you drafted him. You drafted him in the first round. Oh my gosh! All right, so. Two last questions for you. One that I've been asking everybody uh, on this podcast, which we'll finish up with, but one that I have not asked anybody else because nobody is considered uh, a viable candidate for this sort of thing. On your Twitter feed, Amy Trask, I see what people ask you. And I've known you for, as I've established, 18 years. You know the NFL inside and out. You love it. And you're also um, masterful in your job currently right now, communicating and know the politics of the league. People on Twitter ask if you'd ever be someone to consider being the next commissioner of the NFL. Obviously, that job is occupied. Um, but if that ever comes your way, would you be interested? Clearly, you're also um, in, in the management team uh, for Big Three Basketball right now with with Cube. So would you would you ever be interested in something like that, Amy? It is tremendously um I don't know the word. It, it, it's very, very flattering when people ask that. It touches my heart. Sometimes I respond in a teasing manner saying, mm -hmm. well, are they going to move the league office to Malibu? Right. Uh, sometimes I respond very, very seriously. But Rich, the answer is I am so thrilled with what I am doing now. CBS Sports, CBS Sports Network. And as you mentioned, working with Cube and Jeff with the big and Clyde Drexler with the big three. I'm, I just love what I'm doing now. So it's not something that I give any thought to doing. Okay. So then last question for you, best piece of advice. I've asked this of everybody. What's the best piece of advice 
you've received and from whom? Amy Trask. Best advice I've ever received in my whole, whole life. In your career? I received when I was, yep. No, Mm -hmm. it goes back to when I was a very, very, very little girl. Okay. And it was from my mom. And she said to me, to thine own self, be true. And as moms can do, she told that to me over and over and over again. And as teenaged girls can do, because uh, she was still telling it to me when I was a teenage girl, even though she started when I was a very, very, very little girl. She was doing it when I was a teenager. She's done it my whole life to thine own self be true. And during those teenage years, which I was just noting, I would roll my eyes at her because that's what teenage girls do. But the fact is, it's the best advice I've ever received. Uh, as a footnote, Rich, mm-hmm. I will admit to you, I will share with you mm-hmm. that it wasn't until I was in college that I learned that that was from Shakespeare. And my mom didn't invent (laughs) that phrase. She was actually quoting from Shakespeare. But that is the best advice I've ever received in my whole life. And I credit my mom, not Shakespeare, because it's my mom. And Rich, the the things I regret, my biggest mistakes, um, my biggest bumbles, stumbles, um, errors in judgment, have been when I've tried to be someone or be something I am not. Best advice ever, to thine own self be true. And just hearing your story here, uh, I guess cold calling the switchboard of the Raiders and telling Al Davis he's wrong and you know staring him down when he's in a meeting where he says he doesn't curse at women. I mean, <laughs> right? Those are just examples of you following that advice, I would imagine, right there, right? Uh, I I think that's right. And if I may just add this, um, my mom also, no dainty voice there. But one day, some number of years into my career, in a very, very soft, quiet voice, my mom told me how much she admired and respected Al Davis. And her voice was different than any voice I'd heard her use. And I asked her why. And my mom graduated college with a degree in chemistry at a time when she was the only woman graduating with a degree in chemistry and people weren't hiring women to be chemists. So that which Al did in hiring me without regard to gender resonated with my mom. When she told me she was a fan of his, I knew it wasn't about man-to-man coverage or the quarterback must go down and must go down hard. It was because Al afforded me the opportunity without regard to gender that she wasn't afforded. Amy Trask, you're the best. Thanks for doing this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Rich. The one and only Amy Trask. I love her. She is amazing. She's an amazing, amazing person. And I'm not lying. I mean, when she would walk in next to Al Davis into that room of the owners and the membership, it was like game on. Like they walked in like bad asses. And I remember just trying to learn the league and who was who. I certainly knew who Al Davis was, you know, and I certainly knew how he felt about the NFL. And they would walk in like they were owning the place and they were just not to be trifled with. And one of the last times I, I, you know, I got to know Amy and really connected with her on on a level, like an intellectual level, um, as I tried to keep up with her. And, um, and she, you know, viewed me as even though I was the host of NFL network and thus an extension of the league that 
Al had been battling with forever, that I was somebody who respected everybody and was somebody who could be viewed as um, a, I mean, I don't want to say a friend, but I I definitely felt like she was for the first time I met her, even though I was scared shitless. Uh, and, And so I just remember the last time I met Al Davis at an owner's meeting, it was after the league, the NFL network had put together like the top 20 or top 30 as a countdown of the top, I forget, 40 or 50, whatever it was for the, might've been for the 40th anniversary of the NFL or something of the Super Bowl or had to be that, that. And um, yeah, for Super Bowl 40, they did the top 40 Super Bowl champions of all time. And the LA Raiders were, were not, ranked nearly high enough for Al Davis's liking. And I was at the owner's meeting and where it had just announced where the LA Raiders were. And he came up to me, he was using a walker at the time, late in life. And he lit into me, you know, not yelling, but very demonstrative, pulling me aside like it was my doing that the LA Raiders were not nearly ranked as high as he wanted to be. And you could see Amy was kind of standing next to him letting him have his say with me because she had this look on her face kind of like just just hear him out you know like because she had heard it enough and she was just ready to have him share that with me because she had heard it from him and that look that she gave me on her face was just like this is al and you're part of the nfl and al's one of the owners and that's it and you know I just remember the look on her face as we they walked away, sort of like, see you later. <laughs> you know, like, that's Al. You just got davis you know? Uh, and Al just being a guy at the Combine, I remember he, when we first started covering the Combine, he had the same seats policy, just like at the owner's meeting. He sat in the same seat at the Combine, right on the 40-yard dash starting line, every single year. Next to Gil Brandt, who's now in the Hall of Fame, one of the greatest talent evaluators of all time from the Cowboys organization back in the 60s. I'm sure he and Al had times together and throughout. And the third guy was allowed in that inner circle. It was Al Davis, Gil Brandt, and Bill Parcells. The three of them, now all in the Hall of Fame together, sharing a busts gallery together. It was the three of them. And on occasion, you'd see some people kind of walk up to him and say hi, like Mike Holmgren got up there and went and say hello to him. And I just thought to myself, you know, I was just, just joking in an NFL network meeting at the combine, like, what if I just uh, got in early? Cause I got in before everybody else. And I sat in Al's chair and you shot the, the camera of him coming up to me. It's sort of like, who is this punk in the chair? And the NFL network brass was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I could only imagine. I would have probably gotten a call from Amy Trask saying, what the fuck are you thinking? Oh, I love sharing these stories with you. Uh, I love it. And I hope you've enjoyed everything about this podcast to this point. More voices of the NFL still to come, uh, including Chris Collinsworth of NBC Sports. And if you've missed any of the podcasts beforehand, Chris Berman, Michael Strand, Aaron Andrews, Kevin Harlan, Joe Buck, Jim Nance, Al Michaels, just check it out because they've been just some great storytelling for you. Voices of the NFL here on Just Getting Started. This episode is over. <laughs>